Growing up sucks. Just ask Eric Lauber, father of three 20-somethings and a college professor for decades. Eric helps young adults get smarter, richer, healthier, and happier on the hashtag adulting podcast, Growing Up Sucks. Hey, what's it like not doing alcohol, not doing drugs as a young adult? Is there such a thing as peer pressure? You bet there is. Let's meet Heather. Heather, uh, welcome to Growing Up Sucks. Uh, I understand you've got a pretty interesting story to tell me, because, and I think it definitely involves how growing up sucks. But before we get into the details, why don't you tell us just a little bit about yourself? Um, I'm Heather. I grew up in a very small town um, where everybody knew everybody. And if they didn't know you personally, they knew somebody who knew you. Um, I currently live in a slightly bigger town, which I'm very excited about because nobody knows me and I'm okay (laughs) with that. Um, I'm a senior at college and I graduate in May with a degree in journalism and public relations. So I'm very excited about that. Good luck with that. And, you know, it's the same way with me. My family founded the town I grew up in, which was a small farm town in Ohio. So everybody knew me, knew my family. You know, I couldn't hide (laughs) even if I tried. So I know that feeling, a small town of 3000 is where I grew up. So Heather, we communicated a little bit ahead of time what we're going to talk about today. So let me have you start. So what's the story? Um, I grew up in a family where there wasn't really a lot of rules, so to speak, but my mother had a lot of rules and one of those was no drinking and no doing drugs and no getting into trouble. Um, but as I got older, my friends didn't necessarily have those same rules and they started drinking underage drinking. Um, it really started when I was 16. And we were all the same age in my friend group, maybe a year or two difference, but we were all 16, 17, and they started drinking and doing drugs. And I actually lost roughly four or five friends when I voiced my opinion that I was not a drinker. I'm still not a drinker and I don't do drugs. I never will do drugs. And they didn't like that. So they decided that we didn't need to be friends anymore. Um, so it was a very rough time growing up. It, it definitely sucked. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. Did it all happen at once or was it one at a time? Um, two of them were at the same time because they were kind of closer than we were. Um, they, I, I guess you could say they founded the friend group, so to speak. Um, and then I was kind of like the last one to join. It was all at a youth group we all met and they had been there the longest so they kind of formed the friend group and they were the first two to lose communication with me and just start ignoring me and then the other ones kind of seemed to follow suit Mm. i'm sorry about that that's rough yeah particularly in the teenage years and uh uh, so that's so that i guess there was peer pressure to follow along then is what you're saying there was um i went to my first quote unquote party at 16. It was more of a just summer. It was the middle of summer, nothing to do. And in the small town, there's really nothing to do. So we, my one friend ended up getting a pool installed. So that was a big like, oh, let's, we all have to go over, hang out at the pool. And her parents weren't home, which was fine. Like we were all, it was a mixed gender friend group. There were about three boys, two girls. And then myself made six. So there were three boys, three girls in total. Um, 
but they were fine with us over. You know, we knew we weren't going to get into any horrible trouble, <laughs> we figured. Um, but they were fine if we were over and they weren't home. But this one particular time, she had her older brother who was 22. He went out and bought a six pack and brought it to us and told us, you know, have fun, do whatever you want. I'm not home. And he left. And he left the six pack with six, well, five 16 year olds, one 17 year old. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those moments where do I call my mom to come get me and miss out on hanging out with friends? Or do I stay here and, you know, say, no, I don't drink. What, what do I do in this situation? Because I knew if I went home and I smelled even the slightest bit of alcohol, my mother would have grounded me for life, essentially. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, I didn't have your mother. So growing up in a small town, there was a lot of drinking, not a lot of drugs, you know, 35, 40 some years ago. So a lot of drinking. And I, I actually have some alcoholism in my extended family. So, I, and I got to see some of that and it's, it kind of scared me. Like, I think it kept me from wanting to get hooked to get, to get caught up in it. And it, it helped me, I think on my early years kind of avoid becoming a, a regular habit out of drinking. Not that I didn't, I did occasionally and I ended up doing some more drinking in college, but uh, it was, I'm more, less than my friends, less, less than a lot of my friends. So you, you didn't drink through high school and then you got to college. What happened? Oh, <laughs> it started out pretty much the same way. I would make friends. They would invite me to parties and I'm not a big party person. I don't like big crowds to begin with. And I really don't like a lot of different stimulus, stimuli around me. Like I can't handle a lot of different noises. Like there's music, there's conversation, there's this and that. And even in big crowds, like at stores, I'm fine, but it's, it's like in a small house and there's over 50 people there. I don't like it. So I would always decline or I would make up an excuse. I wouldn't necessarily say no, but I would make up an excuse and I'd be like, oh, I have to work or my mom really needs me at home. Like I didn't want to come out right in the beginning of a new friendship and say, I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't party. I don't do drugs. Cause then if they do do any of those things, there's another friend I've just lost that I could potentially have made. So I kind of wanted to avoid sticking up for what I believed in, I guess. Um, but then when I got into the job that I work now, there would be parties and I was invited to one of them and I knew alcohol would be there. And I wanted to go anyway, because I became close friends with everybody I work with. And I went and I was offered a drink and I said, no, I don't drink. And it really shocked me because the girl who offered it to me, it was her house. And she said, oh, that's fine. I have water. I have juice. I have pop. Like, what do you want to drink? You can have any of those. And I was in shock for a good 10 minutes. <laughs> I went home and I was like, that was the highlight of the night it was that she didn't pressure me. She didn't push it. She was like, that's fine. And I was like, oh, that's great. Yeah. So your expectation was, is every single time you ever went someplace, there was going to be a lot of pressure and or awkward situations where you lose friends, but it wasn't the case. Nope. And, and so now you've, you're older, you're a senior, you said. So is that happened more than once? Is, has people been okay? 
They have. There was one instant. Um, I went to a friend's house actually just recently, and I have tried certain drinks. Like I haven't, you know, chugged anything, but I have tasted certain drinks just to see, like, you know, what they taste like. And you're 21, um, right? So yeah, I'm 23 now. 23. Um, so okay. Yeah. <laughs> this, this not was, admitting any, anything illegal on our on the air. No. <laughs> This was after I turned 21. (laughs) Um, But like at that particular party that um, I had said no and my friend was completely fine with, I did try uh, what's called a twisted tea. Like it's iced tea and it has like maybe 1% alcohol in it or something. Mm -hmm. And I tried it and I was like, it's okay. Like it's not, it's not my style. I don't like it. And my one friend ended up taking it and drinking it for me. Um, but I thought, at, well, at first I thought it was just normal iced tea. And then I tasted it. I was like, this is not the iced tea I'm used to. Right. Um, but then at my friend's house a few weeks ago, she offered me red wine. And at first I said no. And then she kind of, she didn't really push, but she asked if I ever tried it before. And I said no. And she asked if I at least wanted to try it, like try a little bit of it and see what it tasted like. And I said, okay, so I did try a little bit, but I still didn't like it. And she was fine with that. And she didn't offer, like, she had other things to drink there and she didn't offer anything else. And she said, well, there's water, help yourself. You know, she was very like, I have water, I have juice. She had um, this carbonated sparkling water, I think it's called. Um, So it, it was like, even though I said no, and I still try, I still wanted to try it. It was always like, I do want to try it, but I also don't want to be tempted to fall into that addiction of it that also, like you said, it runs in your, your family. It runs a little bit in mine as well. So I've seen like the negative, the very big negative side effects, and I didn't want to experience that or potentially come close to experiencing that. Yeah, there, it turns out, and uh, I just did a little bit of research, that there is a genetic link. I mean, it's not a determinant, but there's a probability that goes up that you could have substance use issues if it runs in your family genetically. Though, you know, actually some of the research suggests that there's such a thing as it skips a generation because like if you're, if one of your parents has, you know, a substance use issue severely enough that it disrupts a kid's life, that kid's careful about it going forward, but then they don't have those issues. And then their kids sometimes fall back into the substance use issue because they don't have that kind of immediate negative reaction, which sustains them through their early years to kind of keep them away from it. And so there is this weird phenomenon. It's not, obviously it's not all, it's just a percentage where it skips a generation and comes back again. And you can see that pattern repeat over the generations. But, you know, there's a, there's a lot of danger to starting young you know, the, the brain isn't fully developed until your early 20s, particularly the prefrontal cortex, which is the area that, of the decision-making in the reward centers. And if you start drinking or doing some mood or mind-altering substance in your teen years, you really up the percentage, the probability that you're going to have a very serious issue down the road. I think one study that uh, we looked at said that about a seven times more likely to have an alcohol-related crash if you started drinking when you were young. You know, and that's a severe consequence, right? And uh, I, I confess, I had friends when I was a teenager who drank and drive and, and had accidents. Have you, did you experience any of that? 
I did. Um, my one very close friend, uh, he started drinking around 16. Mm-hmm. And the one day he, he was going to parties every weekend, like he was quickly falling down the rabbit hole of having an issue. Um, but, you know, at 16, you think nothing can happen to you. And you think you're invincible. And even in your 20s, like, I'm still guilty of this. I still think I'm a little invincible. Nothing bad's going to happen. Um, but he actually had, I think it was four times over the legal limit, three or four times over the legal limit. Wow. And he was in a car accident. And he almost, if he had hit the other, he hit another car. And if he had hit it at a certain angle, he would have killed the, uh, killed the other driver. So not only would he, did he get drinking under the influence, it would have been manslaughter a, a or yeah, driving. Yeah. Yeah. Vehicular and or something. Yeah. He like, it shook him for a good long time for a, quite maybe a year or two, but, or a month or two. But after that, he then delved into experimenting with drugs and doing that. And you especially can't mix drugs and alcohol. Like that's just an accident waiting to happen. And he did do that. And he got in another car accident. Um, This time he had his little sister in the car with him. And luckily nobody was hurt. He just totaled the car. But still, it could have gone very, very worse than what it was. Yeah. And there's many stories that don't end with nobody got hurt. Yeah. Lots of stories where somebody got hurt. And I agree. And the, the DUI thing is probably the, the scariest part of it for me. I mean, as a father of three 20 something year olds, I was always very, very nervous about that because it, even if they're out at night and somebody else is driving, <laughs> there's a lot of people. I don't want to say a lot of people. There, there are some people who still drive buzzed yep. and that ruins your decision-making and they cause accidents. I didn't want my kids out getting in an accident Oh, well, I don't want to just make this whole podcast a downer. You know, I, those are obviously scary things, but I, I want to get to, if people can hold off, there's a reason it's a drinking age is 21. All the statistics show that if it's lower, we get more car accidents and more deaths and we, we have more problems. But when you're in your twenties, maybe by that point, you're less susceptible to rewiring your brain so that you, you get hooked, you have a real bad habit. And you're more grown up, maybe you've got a job, so you don't drink as often and, you, and you're more careful about it. You don't wanna be embarrassing, or embarrassed, I should say. So I, I just hope the people who listen to this, just hold off. And here's one of the things that I found that um, I wish I'd have known when I was younger. In my family, drinking is correlated with relaxing. And I didn't catch on to this until much later. And I think I actually modeled this for my kids that relaxing meant having some alcohol. And I see nowadays that people do that with marijuana. Well, that's a psychological association that can be super strong and hard to break once you've done it for a long time. Like you just immediately think, well, I'm, I'm off work or it's the weekend. So now I plan my drinking and, and I get my drinking in. Life doesn't have to be like that. That doesn't have to be every weekend, every time you're relaxing. But it will be if you don't break it early. It just gets harder and harder to break. 
And I want to communicate that to 17 to 22 year olds and anybody in their 20s. Don't go on weekends where you have fun without any mood or mind altering substance. Realize you can, and it's, there, it's a wonderful weekend. <laughs> there was, um, I, I mean, I still say it, but I used to say it a lot back then was I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I stole this somebody because I don't, I don't, I'm pretty sure I didn't come up with it myself, but I was like, I want to remember having fun. I don't want to yeah. go home, wake up and ask myself what happened last night or potentially wake up next to somebody else and wonder what happened last night. You know, I don't want to, I want to remember, I don't want to have to look at photos and ask friends and say, what did I do? And people don't realize you can, you can function and be blacked out. Blacked out means you don't remember. When, when the alcohol content gets high enough, the hippocampus starts to be affected and it won't lay down new memories, but it doesn't necessarily mean you can't walk, you can't talk, you can't do things. You just don't remember them. And obviously your decision-making is impaired. And so being blacked out drunk, which, which happens with probably twice the blood alcohol level that we use for drunken driving, there's a certain amount. I don't, I don't have the number in front of me. Uh, you, you're doing things. You just are not going to remember these. That's mm -hmm. bad, I think. Yeah, that's why I'm, I'm not having fun if I'm not remembering what I'm going to do tomorrow because yeah. I'm that drunk, which I, I have to say, I, I got to watch my drinking. I'm very careful about it. I'm worried about it. And I shouldn't be worried at my age. I'm a pretty healthy guy, but you know, I've drunk enough that I have to be careful uh, and, uh, and, and not let it get, get away from me. Uh, and I, I don't want other people to have that experience where they just drink to drink. And I think COVID has made it worse. You, oh, you're living this, right? Is the pandemic you've seen made drinking worse? From what I've seen um, among my friends who do drink, um, whether it's now and then or, you know, every weekend or however often, um, I, I believe it has made it slightly worse. I wouldn't say it's drastically increased it, um, at least not in my experience, but I do notice more friends are buying more alcohol and drinking more alcohol. And, um, you know, I have asked a few of them, like, why? What's the point in it? Why are you doing it? You're stuck at home. You're drinking by yourself. Like, if anything, movies and shows have shown us drinking by yourself is just pathetic. But <laughs> Like yeah. you cry and you're crying and you're sitting on your bathroom floor, you know, <laughs> but um, they're just like, well, there's nothing else to do. Like, so your go-to is to drink. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm, I feel really bad about that because I call it self-medicating. Like I want to feel good. Well, let me drink that. That isn't the answer, but you know, a lot of the news articles that I've seen say, yeah, alcohol sales really have gone up throughout the pandemic. And, you know, those are the companies that did well, <laughs> as opposed to restaurants that had to shut down and stuff. There's just a lot of Americans drinking more and drinking at home and drinking by themselves. And that's, that's not healthy because it becomes a it, habit. It does. It, it's also like, um, with me personally, I have migraine medication that I take and the one like, you know, they have the rules, you know, don't take it with this. You don't drive after taking, you know, for a certain number of hours. And actually the first rule on my medication is if I've, I take it when a migraine starts, if I've taken one, I need to wait at least 48 hours before drinking an alcoholic beverage. So I know like a lot of friends have medication for different needs, you know, whether it's asthma medication or it's something else, and yet they still drink. 
And to me, in my head, that's still the same as doing drugs and drinking. You're mixing a medication with an alcohol. You're not yeah. waiting, you know? And I, I think it, I think there's two possible. One, it might reduce the effectiveness of the drug that you're taking. Two, it might compound things in your liver and your kidney. So you might be in it, you know, mixing and making a toxic substance. I'm not a chemist, so I can't verify that. Three, you're affecting the, the effects of the alcohol because you're taking something else that's affecting, say, neurotransmitters. Mm -hmm. And all of those can, are not in the, moving in the right direction, right? You're messing with your brain chemistry there. Yeah. Which I, I got to tell you, you are your brain. You know, you're not your foot. You're not your arm. You can lose a lot of things. You can't really take your brain out yeah. and still be. We can replace your heart, but you can't take the brain. And the more that you put mood and mind-altering substances in you, including alcohol, the more you're messing with your brain. I think the message should be to protect your brain. When you're young, protect your brain. Yeah. I guarantee you're going to need it. You're going to yeah. need it later. I don't know that you're going to need your pinky toe, but <laughs> you know, that's not what happens. You start drinking too much. You start these drugs too much. You start messing with your brain and that changes your personality and changes your lifestyle. Look, there are people listening to this who are going to be violently opposed to this message because they like it. They really like it. And they've done it for a while and they think there's no harm. One of the things that I learned when I did some research is that it might take a long time for the negative effects of alcohol to show up in your body. It's a slow killer, but there's more death and more hurt and pain and accidents in America due to alcohol than any other drug. There's that many people negatively affected by it. And most treatment beds in America are filled with people who have trouble with alcohol. And so it's the number one abused substance in our country, in my opinion. So I think that teenagers and, and young adults just hold off, hold off so that it doesn't become a central piece of your life. Mm -hmm. Wait till you're older. That's all I can say. Yeah. Or be like Heather and not drink at all. <laughs> at least for now. Don't, don't bother. Life's great without it. We're going to wrap up, Heather. Do you have any other final messages you want to share with our friends out there? Just that, you know, don't let someone talk you into changing your beliefs. If you don't want to drink, you don't need to drink to fit in or to have a good time. Like you said, um, that's mainly a high school thing. I feel like the public thinks, but it happens in college too. You want to fit in in college and you're technically an adult on your own. So you want to be an adult and experience all those things, but you don't need to experience the adult side of the negativity of alcohol and drinking and drugs and giving into peer pressure, which still happens. I mean, my mom's in her fifties and she still has peer pressure going on. Like there's, it never ends. It never stops to have to fit in and you don't need to change yourself in order to do that. You know, there, I should mention, there are now more organizations and more places that are trying to encourage alcohol-free gatherings and experiences. All colleges have some events that are alcohol-free or organizations that are specifically alcohol-free, all of them. And some of them might be religious-affiliated, like Christian organizations, or et cetera. But I've even heard of bars slash restaurants that are going alcohol-free maybe for a couple nights a week or maybe permanently in the big cities because they just want to give people that experience of going out on the town and not having to have the pressure to have alcohol. I think that's fantastic. There was, um, 
I read an article, I can't remember if it was in the United States or the United Kingdom, it might have been over in Britain, I'm not sure, but there was a gentleman who was um, looking to start up a nightclub, but it's for 16 to 18 year olds, so there's no alcohol, there's no drugs, you're not allowed to bring any, but it gives teenagers the feel of a nightclub experience, not a nightclub, but of a like going out with friends, having a good time, no parents, you know, things like that. But he also would have it safely guarded and make sure there's no alcohol going on. And if he, I think I remember reading, if he caught you with alcohol, you were not allowed back. You were never allowed back. And if you're over 21, you're not allowed in. And I was like, it's a great idea. I'm not sure how well it would work, but it's a very great idea. No, they were popular when I was growing up. Back in the disco era. That's how old I am, by the way. <laughs> there were there and people drove at sixteen. You could there were certain clubs, dancing clubs that would be non-alcoholic for a, a night or a certain amount of the evening for the young people to go, and then they'd clean it out, and then it would be only the people old enough to have alcohol could come back in, say at ten o'clock or something. So you would have hours in which it was alcohol free. And they were great. I mean What's better than dancing? Dancing is awesome. If you want to feel good, go dance. That's my, I'm going to leave with that. I think that's my <laughs> message for today. If you want to feel good, go dance. <laughs> Heather, thank you for coming on today. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Growing Up Sucks podcast with Eric Lauber. 